welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Well, it is now Pastured Pig Podcast time, y'all. Welcome. Welcome to the show. So, um, got a good lineup tonight. And before we get into that, let's hit some announcements. I wanted to give an update on what's happening here at Red Toolhouse. Uh, those of you who have been following the podcast uh, chronologically, you would know that we have 11 red wattle piglets that we acquired uh, from Copper Penny Farm down in Virginia. And we have those, uh, had those in our uh, greenhouse, hoop house, whatever you want to call it, uh, large uh, 15, what was it, 18 by 25, something like that. Homemade jobby to fit in these little West Virginia uh, nooks and crannies. But uh, they've been hanging out there for a while, kind of just keeping an eye on them, making sure to establish home base, a little bit of quarantine action going on there. And actually, I wanted them to do some uh, pre- preparation of our potato patch where we plant our potatoes. So they had been in there nosing all that up, getting the ground cover out from uh, the winter. So doing some function stacking there, multi-purpose stuff, blah, blah, blah. But here recently, it was time to get them out on pasture. And by pasture, pasture number one that we put them in is uh, what I would consider our woodlot hillside beside our driveway. And it is a challenge for a mountain goat. Uh, I, I don't normally walk down the side of that pasture. If I do, I have to hang on to trees because it is that steep. But uh, that area has laid fallow for about three years now. Got a lot of good ground cover on it. There's a little bit of mass-producing trees in there. Most of it's poplar and uh, wild cherry. And what else do we have in there? I'm looking right at it. There's some dogwood. There's um, hmm, there's a couple pine. So n- not a lot of protein-producing trees. But I really don't mess with taking those trees down and opening up that area because that's kind of what's holding up my driveway. <laughs> it's so steep there that I think if I took too many trees out, then I'd have to worry about... Um, the driveway moving over the hill. But anyway, got those pigs moved out. Uh, actually, we did a video. That was um, Sunday's video at the time of recording this bumper, uh, which is going to be the same day that this is released. Uh, the uh, the uh, pigs were, were moved out into that area. Uh, we documented that video, but I had to come through since that that area had laid fallow for three years. A lot of my fence was in disrepair, so I had to get all that straightened up, put some new corner posts in, some bracing, um, and, and utilizing. We do we do half-inch conduit, so take metal half-inch conduit, galvanized, that you can get really, really inexpensively, not as inexpensive as it was pre-COVID, but I take those, cut them down to three feet, actually 40 inches each, because uh, that gets you three out of a 10-foot stick, and then using self-tapping screws, screw the um, the pin insulators in, the lock pins, which I found those to work best. They don't break as quickly when the white-tailed deer smack into them. But um, put those in, and that really helps drive the cost down. I get those uh, with the self-tapping screws the, in the insulator and the conduit itself. I get those below $2 a post. So when you factor in uh, T-posts and the insulators and those things, it really, really makes makes financial sense. So it's kind of a, a good approach for us. It's worked well for us. Uh, and, of course, they're more, more sturdy than the um, step-in posts, which the step-in posts now are, my goodness, they're like a 
buck fifty nine, I think, last time I bought them. So it's crazy. So anyway, so yeah, if you're curious about that process, then uh, you can check out the video there. It details that more. All right. Well, I wanted to also talk about our Facebook group, the Pastured Pig Facebook group. Uh, it's it's been growing a, a lot here lately. Been a lot of requests I had to join up. Probably getting ten to twelve a, a day, it seems, as we add to the roster. But I'm going to tell you, I have indeed. I will decline your invitation to join if you do not answer the simple question as to what do we call a female pig who has had a litter of piglets. And I know for for some people that are maybe first timers that that question it's not a hard question but that question may not be easy obvious to you. Um, so if you get declined and you seriously want to join, then you know uh, the answer is sow. <laughs> but the reason why I don't leave the door wide open is there are tons and tons of, of well, I don't say tons, but there's a lot of requests to join that are just they're either bots or they're people using these fake accounts to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And a couple got through, and some of you guys, I appreciate you, you, you pointed it out and said, hey, man, check it out. Somebody's posting a job offers uh, for work at home you know, foolishness or whatever. Uh, so I was able to eliminate those people and get them out of there. But what's interesting is they actually have the incorrect answer. So I, I can see this. When they say guilt, um, it's like that's that's been spread around to these little bot thingies. That's like, oh, the answer to that is guilt, which is actually incorrect. So that helps me to weed those out easily. So if you're legitimate and wanted to join and you miss um, incorrectly answered and said guilt, I'm sorry you got canned because I thought you were a bot. Uh, but go back, try again, and use the correct answer. Uh, we're just hoping bots don't listen to this podcast. But uh, one other little housekeeping thing with the Facebook group, and this is not our this this rule is not because of you know, we want to be uh, tight on this stuff. It's just Facebook and their their policies. It can get our group shut down. Please do not post animals for sale, even if you do the clever up for discussion or needs a new home type of thing. Uh, that will get us shut down, and the group is really starting to get some good conversation going and I'd hate to lose that momentum and have to start all over. So um, please uh, be aware of that. I, I am deleting the posts that were po- people are posting sales of pigs. And I, I do at least send you a comment to let you know, hey, you know, I didn't delete it just because I hate you or I don't like you or whatever the case may be. It's just because that's not what Facebook's going to allow. And if you check our rules uh, on the group, that's one of the rules we have there as well. So with that being said, um, I do want to point out, and this, this is kind of a, you know, I don't really drop commercials into the podcast, but this is kind of a commercial, but I think this is extremely appropriate to farm life. And it's one of these things, it's a, it's a product that I have been using now for a couple years, and I absolutely love these things. And in full disclosure, I am working with the manufacturer of these uh, products to, to help with his marketing of his company. But it's, it's, it's kind of a, um, a marriage of, of providence because he, he just called me out of the blue and wanted me to try out this, this product. Uh, the name of the company is Giltech, and, and so I used it and, and featured it on a video, year, I think, two years ago. 
and things just worked out to where we started a business relationship and, and getting that going. But so there's kind of duality here. We're, we're kind of testing some things. But I wanted to point out that this company by the name of Giltech, um, it's a manufacturer in Colorado, American-made product, and they, he makes the these incredible everyday carry or EDC knives. And to call it a knife is, is kind of a misnomer. It's just like a, um, it's a, <clears throat> it's a uh, ready, um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, like a ready utility knife. It's, it's something that you can readily access. It uses replacement razor blades. Any of the, the razor blades you'd have in, uh, you know, in like the carpet knives or the utility knives you'd see at your, your local box store, it uses those type of razor blades but it's something he machines on a CNC machine. And these things are incredible. You, you don't even know that they're in your pocket, but you always have access to a very sharp knife whenever you need it. So it's kind of like a, a, a box cutter on steroids. And I'm gonna post a link down below in the, in the show notes so you can check that out. But man, that's something I keep in my pants pocket here on the farm every single day. And when it's time to cut the little strings off the feed sacks, the things that always get knotted up, the things perfect, you know, open boxes, um, whatever. I was using one to, to do some carving the other night. So a really neat product. And what's great is he just released a new product uh, version of that. So you can get them in titanium, you can get them in brass, you can get them aluminum. But now he offers them in plastic, a molded plastic that makes the knife only $10 a piece. And he's actually offering a deal right now. If you buy three, you get the fourth one free. So anyway, if you want a good EDC pocket knife that doesn't feel like you got a roll of quarters in your pocket, then check these things out. These things are awesome. All right, moving along. What else do we have? Oh, I guess it's still time for additional shameless plugs. Patreon. Uh, appreciate all the support. The Patreon picked up some new Patreon uh, supporters. Uh, last month, we had a really good discussion in our support group of, of all kinds of things. We got into feed discussion. We got into feed storage and all the things associated with that. So I believe the conversation went, went really well. What just came unplugged here? No. Oh. <laughs> I thought maybe I was dead, dead in the water. But uh, check that out. You can, uh, obviously the link is in the show notes as well. If you would like to join, just as little as $5 a month, you can be part of our group. And there's uh, some bonus episodes out there. Of course, we now are doing these live chats um, that I think are fruitful if you want to be a part of that. Okay, so let's go to our notes here. And some dummy forgot to turn the office light on, so I'm sitting in the dark and trying to read my screen light as to what my last point is. No, that was my last point. So let's get on to our discussion. Today we're talking with Mark Purcell, and he's with Faith and Farm. And Mark gets into this uh, interesting discussion. He lives in California, and he, we talk a little bit about some of the challenges he's faced with being in California with the weather and those type of things. But also, uh, he's kind of found a, a niche market there by marketing his pigs to, um, to the 4-H group. So he's, he's able to, um, to raise out pigs, and he's, he's gotten the reputation with the 4-H community that he has good show pigs. And that's allowing him to really value add the cost per piglet. So, so not only is he raising out, obviously, for food production, those things, but there's this niche of being able to take a piglet 
and and sell it uh, to to 4-H to to be able to you know to be become a show pig. So it's really neat. We're going to talk about that and some of the other details that he gets into there. So uh, let's move on to our discussion with Mark. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. Today, we are going all the way across the country. We're going over to Central California, and we're going to talk with Mark Purcell of Faith and Farm. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Like I said, it was a, it's an honor talking to you. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on, and and obviously it's three years, three years, three three hours behind me. So uh, appreciate him uh, fitting me into the schedule in his day, and and uh, and uh, you're dealing with that uh, lag in time there. So so tell me about uh, Central California. I've, I've never been to California, so I'm just fascinated by all the variation. You know, obviously we only see what we see on TV and those type of things, but. Central California, <clears throat> big ag area, but you guys are, are dealing with some uh, some weather issues, aren't you? Oh yeah, it's. I mean, this year we've had a ton of rain. Um, I on one of my videos, I even mentioned we're kind of rookies when it comes with rain. We we think the fall the 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 sky's falling when we get as much rain as we've been getting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with with the ground that we've got, it it just makes it an absolute sloppy mess. Um, we have what they call hard pan in our dirt, and uh, so the water, it seeps through our, our topsoil, but then it just sits on top of that hard pan and takes a while to, to seep through it. So it's, yeah, it, it becomes a pretty big mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so were you guys, were you, was your area part of the drought? that I assume most of California was, so had you all been experiencing that drought there for the last couple of years? Oh, yeah, we've, we've had some pretty hard uh, droughts the last three years, and uh, you know, when, when you're trying to pasture raise things, it makes it difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So is this, is the amount of rain that you all have been having here recently, is this a drought buster? Is this just going to be a, a bandaid on a much larger wound? Um, I think if, if we keep the water like we, we should, I think it, it'll definitely get us closer to being out of the drought. I, I think personally, I think we are out of the drought. Hmm. Um, as long as we hold on to the water that that we're getting yeah yeah are you guys in your neck of the woods are you allowed to do any rain catchment on the farm or is that something you have to get a permit for or is it banned no it's it's banned in cal in all of california you're not allowed to catch any rain water interesting yeah i guess there's uh there's probably some creative ways to really explore that uh restriction but uh that is interesting. That's, that's yeah. incomprehensible for me. Somebody who's over here on the uh, the western slope of the Appalachians, where you know it 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 rains about every forty minutes. I just can't <laughs> can't comprehend <laughs> can't comprehend somebody saying you can't catch rain. But uh, but I understand things are different. Yeah, yeah. We were in Montana. Yeah, our our, our politics are a little different here, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Well, the politics that are here anyway. Yeah, well, I understand that. We we were in Montana. Kelly and I were in Montana this uh, earlier this fall, and and they were going going just coming out of a drought actually, and and it, everything was just dry and and burned up there as well. And and of course the day we show up, it, it rains like crazy, and they're like, "Yeah, you you East Coast people brought all the rain with you." <laughs> right, it's right. It's like that. We we'll have to invite you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. A little rain cloud follows me around. All right, so Mark, tell me, tell me about Faith and Farm, the property. So you, you mentioned Central California, which, um, which uh, I know that's that's 
as I mentioned, heavy ag area, a lot of good tillable land, uh, pretty rolling as far as topography goes. But tell me about your, your parcel in particular. Yeah, our parcel now, we, we live on our uh, my grandfather's property that he's owned since, I want to say it's back like 85, um, that he's been farming. He's actually a, a Missouri boy. Uh, my dad was born in Missouri, and, and they moved out here when my dad was five and so he's owned he's owned cattle all his life so uh when my parents moved from uh clovis california which is about 40 minutes south from us uh they moved up here with us and and bought some land and grandpa was was retired so he went ahead and got some cattle and and uh you know just started kind of more of a more hobby farm than than anything um you know to do so uh, but we, uh, me and uh, my family, we moved out here in uh, 2008, and our land is is very flat. Uh, we're smack dab. I mean, if you got on the if you got on the actual uh, map of the United States of California, we're smack dab right in the middle of the place. So it's real flat. You know, uh, yeah, some trees, shade, just flat land. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're breaking up a little bit on me there, but I, I think we got the gist of it there. So, um, so your grandfather's farm. Did you did you say how many acres it was? What what amount of land you're dealing with there? So we are on thirty uh, acres of land, and uh, we we had ten acres, but the state actually ended up buying uh, one acre off of my grandfather. Uh, because of the the high speed rail train was is supposed to be coming through this area, oh. so they had a they purchased a, an acre off of them, so that uh that leaves us with eight and a third and and uh, you know to get back to my father my grandfather living out here he's ninety four years old and my grandmother just passed away last April, hmm. and so uh, you know without without us living out here on his property you know he wouldn't be able to. To stay out here and and you know to do the things that he enjoys to do so we uh we're staying out here just uh you know help him out and then you know hopefully here real soon we'll we'll be in a position to be able to buy our own land we're looking at hopefully buying you know five to ten acres just to keep our own uh farming situation going and and that sort of thing yeah yeah well that's that's great that you're able to uh to be there and help him out and that way he can um kind of live out his days doing what he loves that's that's good i respect that completely because that's uh that's how i'd like to be in a situation you know <laughs> don't don't have to yeah, give, up, give everything up just because you've gotten to the age where you can't can't manage it or all right so um so you're reading the pre-screening information there you're not um pigs weren't your your first uh, foray into farming so you've, you've got some farm experience but uh, you just here recently been getting into pigs is that correct Right, right. So, uh, like I was saying, with my grandfather having cattle, you know, I I moved out here solely just to pretty much take care of his cattle for him, and and uh, you know, so I I got to learn a lot of the older ways that you know dealing with the cattle and you know doing the fun things like castration and dehorning and that sort of right. sort of stuff. So, which I've always had an interest in farming. Um, I think out of all of the the grandkids, I've I've the one that's really taking an interest in it hmm. so that that really gave me and my grandpa a really good uh you know relationship and 
you know, being able to, to learn some things through him. And so, uh, my wife and I, man, without looking back on Facebook, um, we decided to buy some chickens probably about five years ago. And, uh, we bought some chickens and, and, uh, just of course, like what everybody says is the gateway to, to farming. And, and, uh, so we had some egg layers and, and, uh, started doing the egg layers and then we decided to take the leap into doing meat birds and uh, my son my youngest son which is he's turning 13 this month he uh he decided to get into 4-h this last year and so we were able to do some meat birds with him and and uh, raise enough meat birds for for us to have you know to eat and of course once you do that you tend to never go back to buying it in the grocery store um and so with, with the cattle, our, the 40 acres that we leased back behind us got sold to uh, somebody that turned it into almond, an almond orchard. Mm. So we lost that grass. And so uh, we started to actually put our cattle, the, the two parcels that are next to us um, is owned by the state. And they haven't been really taking care of those parcels, letting the grass grow and everything. So... I made a decision to go ahead and turn our cattle out on that those parcels and start eating up the grass. Well, uh, of course, the, the state didn't like that, so we got a note in the mail saying pretty much get your cattle off or we're going to take them. Nice. So uh, we made a decision to go ahead and, and sell the cattle because we had quite a bit of fencing that needed to be repaired. Um, I think once I got some quotes, it was going to cost probably right around ten to $12,000 to repair fencing. So... Wow. Uh, we made the decision to go ahead and sell the cattle, but, uh, you know, talking with my wife, we knew that you can only eat so much chicken. So we decided to go ahead and take the leap into, uh, pastured pigs and, and haven't looked back since. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that, that's interesting. And I like, I mean, I, I don't like that the fence was going to cost you 10 or 12 grand, but I, I, I like the, the, um, the evolution of that. So you're looking at, you know, when you're looking at you know, these conventional type farming practices where you have to have all this fence and 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 a lot of outlay of cash there to to manage um, that process but looking say well you know some people may think well you're trading one animal for another isn't that going to be just as expensive but with as we all know with pastured pigs that uh, you don't have to have nearly as much infrastructure and and the, the fencing expenses are much much less than it would be for right. traditional cattle. So uh, so where did you start? So you decided, okay, we want to have pigs. Did you go out and buy 40 pigs? Did you go out and buy one? Where did, where did you start into that? Well, one thing my, my family has always said about me, I'm kind of a, a ready, fire, aim type person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did do a little bit of research online, you know, watching some of your videos and others uh, like Sheraton Park Farms and, and stuff. And, uh, and we, we went ahead and we bought us a couple of uh, Hampshires. Um, one was a, a boar and one was a barrow. And, uh, and then I, I seen the, the IPPs and uh, the Idaho pasture pigs. And I kind of liked the idea of those. So I found somebody uh, about 45 minutes away that were selling some IPP Cooney Cooney cross. And, uh, so we went ahead and bought a gilt from her. And so we had those three in the beginning. And, uh, I, what I was, what, what I was thinking without, you know, much knowledge, I thought, well, you know what, I would like to 
to breed that IPP with that Hampshire boar and kind of hope I get the both best of both worlds. And, uh, but unfortunately our, our guilt, uh, I don't know what happened. I went out there one day and both of her back legs wouldn't work. She wouldn't get up. And, and so we, we, you know, called around trying to get help from other people that knew the animals, our 4-H leaders and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, tried to nurse her back for about a week and she would just never, never would get up. So we went ahead and harvested her that she was actually our very first pig that we harvested, um, which she was delicious, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so, so that was kind of our start there into it. And, and ever since then, we've, uh, we've actually, uh, have grown our herd quite a bit. Um, we harvested the, of course, the barrow. And then, uh, I went ahead and purchased a, a full blood registered Tam, Tamworth, uh, sow. So she was about two years old and she's a proven sow. She already had one litter of 12. And, uh, so I went ahead and purchased her and one of her, uh, gilts from her first litter and brought her to the farm. And then, um, we bought a couple of young gilts up from, a a, a woman that's about 45 minutes away from us up in the foothills here in California. And they were just a crossbreed between Duroc and Hampshire. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, and so we, we brought those two home and, uh, you know, I was going to breed them. The, the more Duroc-looking red one that we have, she actually had her first litter. and uh, But the other, the black one we've got, she's not getting pregnant. And, I mean, I've given her probably more time than I should to get pregnant. So we're going to be harvesting her pretty soon to put her in the freezer. Yeah, okay. So if I'm doing the math right, you still have the original Hampshire boar, and then you've got yes. these, these Duroc Camp mix. And one of which is has already farrowed and, and produced well, and then the Tamworth cell mm-hmm. that was proven in her guilt. Have 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 the Tamworths produced anything on the farm yet, as far as litter? Yeah, so my Tamworth sow has produced already. Mm-hmm. Um, she did pretty good. She had nine. Um, one was stillborn, and uh, I that was actually the whole farrowing thing was. I had one that had uh, one litter on a Saturday and then the next Sunday I had the Tamworth out of the litter. Mm. So it kind of baptized baptismal by fire of uh, farrowing. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, just the, with the ignorance of not doing it before the, the Duroc Hampshire mix farrowed out in the field with, and I still had my boar in with her. Um, so when I went out there in the morning and found her piglet, she only had one piglet alive. And, uh, I could only find two piglets for sure that, that were dead. Mm. Um, but just kind of looking around, I, I, I have a feeling that maybe the boar might've ate them or killed them mm. and okay. ate them, or I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. So, you know, it was, it was a bummer. It was frustrating, but I learned real quick, like within that week period of, you know, if you think that your, your pig's getting ready to have piglets you need to get them separated and into their own area and and so the the kind of the the funny thing is is that next uh saturday uh five you know a week after i was we were doing me and my son were doing some work out in there in the pig area and i noticed that my tamsworth was starting to bag up pretty good so i kind of you know reached down learning from watching youtube and you guys 
reach down there and just kind of pull on one of the teeth, see if any milk comes out. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, she, she squirted some milk. So I thought, uh-oh, we better get her in her area. So we ran her in, but uh, that had like a little house for her to get into, to Pharaoh, and threw some hay in there and some straw and tried to kind of make it as, as comfortable as possible for her. And, but, uh, but even with that, the house that was provided for her, it didn't have any bumpers, didn't have anything that, you know, to protect the piglets. And so we ended up losing, uh, one was stillborn, but we ended up losing another four from either being squashed or stepped on. Mm, So, uh, so, you know, it was, it was a a hard lesson, but we learned and, and now we're, our Duroc Hampshire mix is already pregnant. She's going to be due in the first of March. So we are in kind of turbo mode being that our work Monday through Friday you know, trying to get things prepared and ready. That way we have an actual, the correct setup for her to, to have a better chance of, of farrowing more than what she did last time. Yeah, yeah. Now, I got to say, I I like, so the, the Duroc Hampshire mix was bred with your Hampshire boar, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I, that was what I started with. I started with Hampshire, uh, two Hampshire gilts, and bred uh, one of them to a Duroc doing AI. And I really like mm-hmm. that line. I, I think I took that line two or three steps and really like that line. Now, they're a little bit harder on our sloped uh, pasture, but, uh, you know, finish, um, goodness, I, you know, I'd, I'd finish some large hogs in six to seven months. Yeah, and, uh, yeah the, the funny thing is, I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean to interrupt. Yeah, no good. Oh, uh, so the funny thing is, is the one piglet that was still alive from her given birth, we brought her in and, and, uh, went ahead and just bottle fed her and, uh, was kind of <laughs> baptismal by fire with that too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it took only about two weeks of that piglet being inside the house. My wife said no more outside. <laughs> so <laughs> right. we, uh, we bottle fed her, but she really came out to be a really good looking guilt. To the point to where I, I took some good pictures of her being around seven weeks old and uh, took them to my, one of our 4-H meetings and and showed our 4-H leader that does the show pigs. And, you know, and I just told her, I said, my son's not really interested in showing pigs, but if there's anybody, any of the kids that would like to show her as a breeder, you know, we would be really happy to let them do that. And she jumped all over. She thought that that pig was a, an amazing looking pig and so it's the the funny thing is we're gonna have her shown in, in some of the some of the fairs here in in the Central Valley. So we're we're excited about that. Oh, that's great! Yeah, very cool, very cool. So the uh, so going back to your Tamworth sow real quick. So she the the mm-hmm. litter of nine that she had she was bred from the Hampshire boar as well, right? She didn't come um, pregnant from when you bought her. No, no, she was she was uh she was done by the 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 Hampshire boar, yes sir. So what do you what do you think of that Hampshire Tamworth cross out of those that survived? What what have you seen so far with their confirmation or what do you like about their uh personality and and those things? Um I I like it. Um I haven't tasted a, a Tamworth pig yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really eager to see uh you know the the finish on them they one thing i did notice is they they're growing really quick yeah um compared to the duroc hampshire cross piglet um they look longer mm-hmm. you know and and uh she's kind of 
you know, she's real compact, you know, she's got that Hampshire look where, you know, real big shouldered, real big butt. And, uh, but the other ones are, are long. I could tell they're, they're kind of a longer. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how they finish out. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting combo. In fact, that was, I was trying to create that combo opposite, uh, with my older hemp. She wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't settle. Meredith, she's just too old. She won't settle. But I was trying to breed one of my, uh, my boars are large black Tamworth cross. And I was kind of curious to see what that would, what that would yield. But, not going to find that out until I get another Hampshire stock in. But all right, so yeah. so you're um, so you're a couple litters into this, and um, mm-hmm. what what do you think? You know, kind of what's the um, what's the next step, or what's the two year, three year, five year plan when it comes to pigs on on your farm? So looking at um, what we got going on, when it kind of lit a fire in me. Um, when we we seen that that one piglet was a, a show quality type piglet, so we uh, we actually went out and and kind of spent some money on getting us a a show quality sow um, that's two years old, and she's a blue butt, and we brought her to the farm and and I believe she's bred. I'm gonna know this weekend. She's supposed to be back in heat this weekend, so I'll know more this weekend. But uh. Uh, so we're looking at, you know, adventuring into the show quality, you know, area, um, mainly just to not to make a bunch of money on it. I mean, of course, making money is, is what your goal is to be able to do it, but, uh, mainly kind of helping out the 4-H kids around here being where we live. It's, it's kind of a low income area. Mm. Um, so being able to have some decent show quality, uh, piglets that we can sell at a, you know, a reasonable price, you know, to get some of these kids that really don't have a ton of money into being able to show pigs and getting an interest in pigs. You know, that's kind of a big thing with us with the whole 4-H thing. But, uh, you know, we're wanting to also adventure into, we're here in California, the, the whole getting to a point to where you're able to sell the meat has been a nightmare. I mean, it's been a headache to find uh, USDA, you know, uh, place that will will cut and wrap um i have found a usda place that i could take my pigs to that they'll they'll uh go ahead and harvest them and gut them and all that um but they don't cut and wrap there so yeah it's it's interesting but just trying to find a usda butcher that will do all the cut and wrapping we haven't been able to find one here so uh if anybody out there listening that's from california that (laughs) knows somewhere let me know but uh but yeah, so we'd like to adventure into the whole uh, farmers market. Mm-hmm. Um, talking with my wife actually this morning about it, we uh, we've decided that if we can't find any USDA place that will do uh, the cut and wrap, then we'll go ahead and and do the do the chickens and do the eggs at the farmers markets. Um, which here in California, if we if we do less than a thousand chickens, then we can sell them to the public. Our chicken's safe for some reason. So, yeah, it's so it's we're uh, <laughs> we're gonna do that with the farmers market, and then uh, and then we'll also. I, I actually I was listening to some of your podcasts in the past, you know, about um, uh, selling whole hogs and half hogs, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we're we're gonna make that available. I think you know with our with our farmer's market deal just to kind of get some people, like you said, 
uh, in the past just get people's emails and you know send out emails that, hey you know we're going to be having a litter of piglets in this around this time you know sign up if you want to you know do it or whatever but uh but yeah that's kind of our goal right now good deal good deal yeah no i like that i think that's that's a logical next step and you know it's not uh you know you're not taking a huge huge step there you're kind of easing into it but i love i love the angle with the 4-h show pigs i think yeah, it's it's neat to have that in your area and be able to recognize that this is an opportunity to at least you know cover your cost and and to maybe reinvest back in the efforts but helping kids show the pigs and then, then being able to to just enjoy that that, that would be neat to see uh, see some of your your uh, litter go to to kids are going to just you know dote on that animal for x amount of months and then yeah. then be able to show it off that would be uh, that would be cool yeah so, yeah for sure i mean and that's that's been me and my wife's deal with the whole farming is you know we we want to be able to teach people to to show them that you know you don't need a big plot of area to be able to you know create your own food you know kind of taking the the homesteading frame of mind with all of this and and uh you know we've got people in our church that we've you know we the way eggs are right now we practically get tackled every time we come into church with eggs because we take you know we in the in the summer times we usually have about nine dozen we sell at church and you know of course now in the winter it, it's back down to about four or five but uh you know we we just try to provide the people that you know that can't really go out and or they can but they don't know that they can go out and get you know create their own better food than what they buy in the grocery store right right yeah yeah no that's great that's great yeah and i hate to think what a uh, dozen high-end eggs are selling for in california right now <laughs> yeah well i don't know about the high end but i know that uh somebody was just telling me today that they bought eggs in just a regular you know, grocery store regular eggs for six ninety nine a dozen. <laughs> yeah, that's so. crazy, crazy stuff. Yep, is what it is, right? Just something else. To, oh yeah, something else to remind you that uh, our our food chain is is very very weak, and uh, we yes. we should be more personally responsible for it. All right, well, so let's. Uh, yeah. I'll talk a little bit about your your setup. Have have you have you been able to put together a rotational process yet, or because of your topography and and weather that you've been having, or normally would have, how, how do you do a different system than than rotating? You kind of mentioned that grass was a little lean uh, up up and before this uh, rain hit. Yeah, so right now we're we're actually just starting to do the rotational, um, being that we've got so many pigs now out there. Um, where we moved them, we're, we're just kind of doing, I don't know, just kind of a grid pad, uh, you know, way. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're wanting to rotate them. Um, I'm learning, you know, every day on how long I can keep them in one paddock, um, you know, and being with the rain and everything, like what you were just saying, uh, going out there and trying to, to work out and that stuff <laughs> is like working on wet cement and, uh, so, you know, we haven't been able to kind of keep up on it. I like what, uh, I like what you say in, in your videos, you call the, 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 the paddock that you leave them in for a long time. Uh, oh, what's the word you use? Sacrificial paddock. Yeah. Sacrificial paddock. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of in an area that's a kind of their sacrificial paddock this winter. Um, but yeah, with the grass that's growing now, the way that it's starting to take off, uh, I, I told my wife, 
uh, yesterday actually that I need to get these pigs start moving. So, but one thing I did notice, um, I did move them in one other paddock about a month and a half ago, and it's amazing how much weight they put on just on the grass. Mm. Yeah, yeah, especially if they haven't had it, and that's that's the thing. It's amazing. In fact, I I had a video clip the other day. I didn't do anything with it, but I um, um, moved one of our pregnant sows into our our greenhouse our hoop house so that's where she's going to farrow and of course along the edge where the the sun was hitting it and the frost hadn't killed it all there was a ton of grass and man she just wailed on it and just just eating it as fast <laughs> as possible and, and it's like yeah this this is good video to show that uh, for the people that say pigs don't really eat grass but but yeah i mean yeah. I, I, I think you see that obviously as as an animal you know, has an eclectic diet like a pig does and, and is able to access that and then they're just really going to enjoy that and and uh, and see the fruits of that as they as they ingest it all yeah yeah for sure i mean it's funny because like what you said my, my grandfather you know he's he's the old school way and so you know when i told him that i was going to get some pigs and put them out on pasture he goes pastured pigs and i go yeah and he goes i've never heard of pastured pigs before yeah. <laughs> so he's he's kind of learning with me watching you know his grass start disappearing where it was at <laughs> right right yeah that's the thing like you said getting this rotational going if you guys can uh can keep some of that water around. Um, of course, it doesn't sound like you really have much of a dormancy season, but uh, this spring, as it starts to get warmer, you'll have more grass you know what to do with by the time the pigs have fertilized and moved everything around and disturbed the uh, topsoil enough to get the seed bank going. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, all right, so um, let me ask you this, Mark. So let, let's talk briefly about um you, you said your your area was was a bit of an agriculture area but also was a kind of a lower income area what, what's your access are there are there many people doing pigs around you so when it comes time for feed and and resources like that are you having to travel a lot or do you happen to have a local feed mill that's that's taking care of what you need well the 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 closest feed mill that we actually just found about two weeks ago uh, is about a 45 minute drive, about 45 minute, 50 minute drive from our house. Um, so it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as of a lot of people doing pigs, there's, there's not a lot of pig farmers around here. Um, we have, it, ours is more agricultural in the aspect of like almonds, pistachios, yeah. um, you know, grapes, that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they have a few people here and there that do pigs and that's about it. So, you know, trying to, I've, I've learned with these first few litters of, of selling piglets, uh, we're going to have to kind of find our notch, you know, where or our niche, where, you know, we need to figure out who we can target that will, that will buy these pigs. So that's, that's kind of what we're working on right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything about almonds. I'm sure they, they probably don't let many hit the ground, but Man, can you imagine having the green light to run those pigs through that almond uh, almond orchard when uh, when there's some uh, protein on the ground like that? Kind of vacuum it up for oh, yeah. them, and, and <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be some yeah, ta tasty sure. pork. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like around here, you can go and you can buy the almond, which I haven't done this yet, but I was kind of looking into it. But you can go and buy almond holes mm. uh, after they harvest the almond, and and I know my grandpa used to feed those to his cattle. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what the nutritional aspect of it is. I I want to do more research on that. 
but I know like a lot of these almond places that that uh, you know have the almonds they 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 sell those almond holes they practically just want to get rid of them yeah hmm yeah that'd be interesting to do the research on that I, I yeah I would wonder if they have much if any protein in them at all but again like I say I don't know anything about almonds so that would be something yeah. worth researching makes my makes my gums hurt to think about it but we know pigs that doesn't <laughs> they don't bat an eye with that yeah <laughs> yeah for sure yeah it's it's funny uh you say that we we have uh I, I do construction and and uh we we build homes and stuff like that and so we've got a, a gardener's gardening service that does all of our landscaping and so i got a got a hold of him and he's got his own tree trimming service and stuff and so they they bring their wood chips out whenever i call them and and dump them for me out here and mm. so the last uh the last haul that we got had a bunch of walnuts mm. in them. And uh, so I went out there and dumped a bunch of them trying to kind of flatten out some of the areas where the pigs rooted up. And boy, they, they love that. They're sitting out there crunching <laughs> on them for days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My pigs love walnuts. Even, uh, even when they've dried out and cured, they're you know, hard as rocks and they, they wail on those mm. and the hickory nuts. It's, it's hilarious to, to listen to them chomp through all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. So as you're, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about some of your future plans and, and, and breaking into um, the farmer's markets and doing some holes and halves and just kind of spreading that out. Does that, uh, and then also the, the plan for looking at additional land at some point, do you guys see you being in that same area? And is that, is that goal going to carry over? You know, is it the plan to carry that over to your, your new land that you may be looking for? Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the frustration of being where we're at right now. I mean, there's, I mean, of course, we're thankful what the Lord's given us with uh, being able to be out here with my grandfather and really kind of having the freedom to be able to kind of use this as a trial run of, you know, what we want to take onto our own land and, and do with. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everything, and that's like I was going to say, kind of the frustration with being here is that everything we build, we have to build it to take with us, right. you know, to be uh, movable. And, uh, and so that's where we're at with everything that we have out here right now. We can, you know, whenever things happen or whatever, and we need to move to our new, new uh, property, we'll be able to take pretty much everything with us and, uh, you know, move it out there. So those goals will go along right with us. Um, you know, one thing that we, we would really like to jump into also would be, you know, having classes out here about, you know, doing their own chickens, people processing their own chickens. And uh, the five the five pigs that we've done this year, uh, we've processed all on our farm ourselves. Yeah. And uh, so that's been that's been fun. That's that's I've actually really enjoyed the breaking down of the pigs and and doing that part. Um so teaching people that that's kind of one thing that we're looking for in our new new land is to be able to you know put a shop and and be able to have an area to where we can bring people in and because here in here in the valley it gets to be 110 degrees in the summer and mm, wow. and uh, nobody wants to do anything outside <laughs> during that time other than <laughs> swim in the pool right <laughs> so uh, so we we want to have an area to be able to you know bring people in and, and teach them how to do that part and, uh, you know, just kind of give them the freedom to be able to maybe one day, you know, be able to do something like that on their own land or, 
or something. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And I, I bet that um, the fact that you have uh, your day job is construction, you have that construction experience, that's that's probably proved to be very, very handy in these endeavors, has it not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, building our own chicken tractor and, you know, building an A-frame, one of the I'm actually looking out there right now. I've I've made some mistakes on my A-frame that I built for the big pigs. I didn't put any kind of bumpers to keep them from pushing through the siding. And, mm. and I'm looking at it right now, and they busted out the sides of the, the A-frame. But uh, but yeah, being able to to do that, I've always been kind of that handy type person that's not afraid to just jump in and and figure out how to build things and and that sort of stuff. So that's definitely helped out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, and that, that we help, at times help people try to find farmland, uh, especially here in or homesteading land here in West Virginia, and and that's one of the first things I ask them is like, do you know how to do basic carpentry or rough carpentry? And and some you know some will say yes, some will say well, absolutely not. But to me, that's that's one of those first things. If you want to have a farm and you want to raise your own food, you may not think the first logical step or one of the the first logical steps would be have some working knowledge of rough carpentry and man it goes a long way because you find that you you're constantly building something right yeah either improving something building yeah. something new or building multiples of something as you expand and and uh, to have to turn around and hire that out is is just yeah it's just it's usually cost ineffective and you just can't pull it off so you have yeah. to you have to figure out make do well, something. And I, yeah and I, and I think too thinking outside the the box you know um especially when it comes to pasture. Cause I mean, you know, the whole pasture thing is kind of a newer thing, especially here in California. And, and uh, you know, thinking outside the box, thinking about, you know, like here we don't have any trees. So in the summertime, we're going to have to provide shade somehow for these pigs, you know, to where they can get out of the sun and then cool off in their wallow or whatever. And so, you know, I'm going to have to figure out how to build a freestanding uh, shade cover that I can move along with them that they're not going to, tear to bits in two days <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean that's 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 real life you're, you're exactly right that's something you're going to run against real quick and and but then the creativity associated with it okay it needs to be mobile so it needs to be light enough that it you know it doesn't take you know six guys to to move it even if it's right. on wheels but yet it's also it has to be something that a pig can't just take its nose and flip it end over end and i assume as flat as you are, you guys probably have some wind from time to time, so it can't be a sail that's going to pick up and go across the, the valley in the, at the same time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah inter interesting challenges there just because of, of the situation you find yourself in um, from the geography. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to be uh, I want to be sensitive to your time, but uh, I do want to ask you a parting question. I ask everybody, Mark, and that is, um, in your couple years of experience here with pigs, what is the favorite thing? What, is, what do you like the most about raising pigs on pasture? You know, the, I think the biggest thing I really enjoy. I mean, there's a lot of things to enjoy with raising the pastured pigs, but I think the the biggest thing I enjoy is just going out there and being with them. Um, you know, I, I work in an office all day long and drawing house plans and that sort of stuff on a computer. So when I come home, you know, I, it doesn't, it, it makes me feel good just to be outside. So just being out there and kind of walking amongst them and, you know, just laughing out there, the ways that they act and, and, you know, the different temperaments of each other. And, um, you know, like my wife said, they're just like dogs. I mean, they all have their own attitude, you know, and, and uh but yeah that, i think that's the biggest thing that and having the security 
uh, that we're going to have our meat whenever we need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that definitely. You you look out on that pasture and you see you see the investment in dollars, but you also see the dividends in in food security when it when uh, when when that need arises. It's good. Sure, sure. Well, Mark, if people want to find out more about you, I know you've got a YouTube channel, so give me a shout out for your YouTube channel and other social media you have where people can find out uh, more about you and kind of see what you guys have going on there. Yeah, on YouTube, they can find us at Faith and Farm. So it's the it's not the, the word and, it's the actual symbol and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on that. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and also TikTok. My wife does a lot of videos on TikTok and and uh, uh, usually of the cute dogs, but there's also pigs and chickens involved in it too. Yeah, yeah. I was going through your social media. It looked like there was some uh, show birds going on there too. So maybe some ban- bantams that you were, you guys were showing, your kids were showing. Yeah, my my son in 4-H, we we do a lot of the show birds. Um, he does a lot of the the call ducks and uh, and uh, but yeah, we we're actually we're kind of in the middle of our all of our shows here on the west coast. So we, we've already done two shows, and we've got two more to go. So here in the next month and a half. Yeah. All right. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking with you. Absolutely. My pleasure. I, I really appreciate the honor to be able to, to be on it, even though, like like you said, I haven't been in in a long time. But, you know, that's that's one of the things that we want people to see on our YouTube channel is, you know, hey, we don't know what we're doing, so watch us and and learn from our mistakes. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I I think those make just as much, if not more, interesting episodes simply because you do find something that, that people tend to share more, a little more transparent to say, well, yeah, I, I messed this up big time, or I tried this and it didn't work, or I learned the hard way. So that's um, I think that has value to it just as much as somebody who's got twenty years of experience. So it's good stuff. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, yeah, I pray you have a good evening, and um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, I really appreciate that conversation with Mark. And you know, for a California guy, he was easy to talk to. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> I gave him a hard time there. No, uh, really good conversation. Appreciate him coming on the show. And as I say always, if you would like to be on the show, or you have a topic you would like us to discuss, or you would like us to make odd sounds with our armpits just let us know reach out to me at uh, thepasturedpig.com you can use our podcast form there or you can just simply email me troy at redtoolhouse.com and we can get that discussion going well i appreciate everyone listening and we just celebrated our 100th episode with our last one with carl so this is our 101st one one 101st let's try that again 101st so um, I'm curious to see and 99 more will be at 200 and see if we can have a big uh, celebration at that point (laughs) Lord willing and the creek don't rise we'll see if we can make it that far well I pray everyone has a great week and again thank you so much for listening take care